listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. That's a word we've not used at all over the season of Lent, neither in our liturgical text nor in our hymns and songs. We had a seasonal fast from the Hebrew word that means praise ye Yah or praise the Lord. And that now comes to an end with the arrival of Eastertide. Tonight and all the way through the 50-day festal season, we're going to be singing and saying and proclaiming that word a whole lot. The truth we proclaim tonight really does cry out for a whole lot of alleluias. For as Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We too. That's what Paul doesn't want us to miss. This is not a story about what happened to one man 2,000 years ago. It's not just that. It's a proclamation that death no longer has dominion. It is an unfolding, ongoing proclamation of a promise and a hope that is at once a flash of brilliant light cast across a world that knows a great deal about death, Their world, certainly, but ours as well. Something that can seem at times almost impossible to comprehend. That we, quote, will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The reading from the Gospel according to Luke was read aloud. I suspect that there was a line in it that might have popped for many of you. In the New Revised Standard Version that I worked from, that line is, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. In the translation Golda used, it said, but the men did not believe the women because they thought they were talking nonsense. The women. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and unnamed others as well, gone to the tomb on the third day with spices that they wanted to place by the dead body of their teacher. They probably wondered how they were going to roll the stone away from the entrance to that tomb, but they still needed to go to try to see if they could do it. Didn't matter that the disciples themselves remained in hiding. As women, they were less likely to be noticed by the Roman soldiers patrolling the streets of Jerusalem. When the women arrived, whatever question they'd had about moving that stone completely evaporated. It had been rolled away, and there was no broken body in sight. And then two figures appear in dazzling clothes, angels, messengers. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, remember what he kept trying to teach you? All those things he said about his death and what would follow? N.T. Wright suggests that perhaps Jesus' followers 
the disciples, but also that whole company of women and others who were close. Perhaps they had thought Jesus' language about his own dying and rising again to be a dark metaphor, indicating perhaps a great struggle against paganism or against Israel's current leaders, followed by a great victory. They had not reckoned with it being literal or with the battle being waged against the last enemy, death itself. In that instant at the tomb, the women do begin to remember and to see it all with clear eyes, all that he'd said that they hadn't understood, they now saw and heard with clarity. And so they race back to the disciples who are still in the upper room, who just can't hear their words as being anything but an idle tale. Now that's partly because the voices of women simply were suspect or second-rate in that world. In spite of the fact that Jesus himself had consistently received women as members of his circle, valued members, the disciples themselves were still kind of hardwired with the assumptions of their culture. Women's voices, women's experiences, they didn't count or at least not in the same way that those of men did. It's a lovely piece of poetic justice, then, that beginning in the third century, the tradition began to name Mary Magdalene as the apostle to the apostles, the one who brought the word that they needed to hear. The other thing, though, it's not just that they were dismissive of women's voices and experiences because the news that the women brought back seemed impossible. Jesus was dead. There's no question that he's dead. When it came to matters like executions, the Romans didn't make mistakes. There was no way, simply no way, that there was any life left in him when they pulled him down from that cross, when they allowed Joseph of Arimathea to take the body for burial. No way. And crucified bodies, as all of them knew, crucified bodies were beyond resuscitation. It's not like he just had a heart attack and maybe could be brought back. A crucified body was too broken for resuscitation to be at all possible, and they all knew it. So what truth could there possibly be in the story the women bring back? What it turned out to be, resurrection, they had no framework from which to really consider that. Oh, there was a belief common amongst most Jews, a belief in the resurrection, But the resurrection was to happen at the culmination of all time and history, when the dead would be raised to share in the prophetic promise of a new heaven and a new earth. Resurrection was a future promise for all. It wouldn't have occurred to them to think resurrection in the here and now of their own world. No, 
No, the women, they're dreaming, they're delusional. But Peter got up. Peter got up and ran to the tomb, Luke tells us, and God blessed Peter, the one who was always the quickest to leap, often before he looked. Peter, who was surely crippled with the shame of having denied even knowing Jesus on the night of his arrest. He's still the one whose heart started thumping as the women told their idle tale and who would dare one more time, dare to leap before he looked to see if maybe, maybe it wasn't all over after all. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home amazed at what had happened. Well, that's actually where tonight's gospel reading ends. It's where the story will end for this evening. An empty tomb and a look of amazement. The story will continue to unfold over the coming Sundays of Eastertide, They begin to understand that their Jewish belief in a general resurrection at the end of time was in Jesus Christ brought to a whole new place. The resurrection had already happened, N.T. Wright comments. It had already happened and had come forward to meet them. God's future rushing like an express train into the present into the middle of history, the middle of the world's pain, of Israel's broken kingdom dreams. They were going to have to get used to living in a present which was shot through with God's future. And how things would all change for them as they got used to living in a present shot through with God's future from a ragtag group who seemed to have an incredible knack for missing the point, all the way through the Gospels, they're constantly missing the point, who ran like scared rabbits the night of his arrest, hiding away in fear that the soldiers would do to them what they'd done already to Jesus. They moved from that to become a bold, light, and life-filled community, prepared to preach resurrection to anyone who would listen, no matter the cost. And you know, though, we still die. All of us are dying, moving each day closer and closer to our own deaths. It is undeniable. And yet, we are liberated to do that dying with a bold, light, and life-filled confidence that says death no longer has dominion. Death is no longer the trump card, the last word, or the unbeatable foe. Because what they saw in him, in his embodied resurrection life that was so alive that this old world could barely contain him, that doors and locks meant nothing, that although they could see and touch the wounds and they could share meals with him, There is something about the vibrancy of his life that just barely makes it possible for him to keep his feet on this ground. Well, that life, Paul says consistently, that life is now our promise, our future, 
our hope and our truth. That's Easter. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. And in his glory and by God's grace, so shall we be. Amen. listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.